VI Shots Love You Podcast, Episode 5. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of VI Shots. My name is Michael Ivaliotis, and this is a podcast devoted to the world of LabVIEW. With each episode, I bring you interviews, discussions, and share with you ideas for how you can take your LabVIEW development to the next level. Well, thank you all for joining me on this episode of the VI Shots podcast. Several weeks ago, National Instruments put together an online LabVIEW coding t- contest. It was called Code Madness 2011. I'm very excited because here with me today, I have Grant Heimbach from National Instruments who organized the competition, and Peter Kovacs, a systems integrator who is coming to us all the way from Hungary. And he was the winner of the coding challenge with a very interesting entry, I might add. But before we get to that, uh, I'll start with you, Grant. Uh, First of all, thank you for joining me on the show. No problem. Glad to be here, Mike. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, how, how the contest got started and how it's organized? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we always try and uh, create a more active community and get people excited about using LabVIEW and uh, are always interested in seeing the many, many different ways that people uh, can use LabVIEW to have a lot of fun and do very useful things at the same time. So the very first coding challenge that we actually did within the NI community was last fall. So that was the first time that we actually sent out a, uh, a challenge, a task that was outside of NI Week. We've done coding challenges at NI Week for the past four years, I want to say. And uh, it's something that has always been uh, very active. A lot of people love doing it, but it's only for people that actually come to Austin for NI Week in August. And we felt that that was kind of a shame. So we were trying to figure out a way that we could take it to online so we could uh, get a more global audience and engage some of these people that are all across the world that are able to do all these awesome things within LabVIEW. So uh, last coding challenge that we had last fall, uh, it was geared up to kind of give your best code, just to see what was uh, the the best that people had out there for LabVIEW code. Uh, There were six different categories, things like file I.O. or games, and people could submit the the best code that they had for each one of those categories. And uh, then they could, uh, there was the best of each category was chosen, and then uh, Jeff Kadowski, father of LabVIEW, actually picked the, uh, the winner last year. Uh, this year, we wanted to take it a little bit different uh, route with our coding challenge, which we're, we're trying to do about two a year now. And uh, so our spring coding challenge, uh, it coincided at the same time as the uh, NCAA March Madness, which happens every March here in the United States. It's a college basketball competition. They go head to head, and uh, there's a bracket system where Every time that a team wins, they move on to the next round. And we wanted to kind of key into that excitement here within the United States and and, uh, around the world for people that love basketball. And uh, this time, instead of being more uh, open where it was free to submit uh, your best code, we actually had very structured challenges as we move forward. And we just wanted to try something a little different than what we did last time and see what uh, people liked or didn't like about it. It was quite a bit different, I think, in that uh, you were asking uh, the online community to vote. That, that's right. That's right. Uh, this time we wanted to key in a little bit more into the populace because uh, while last time it was very, very interesting to have um, Jeff K be able to vote on the finalist, we wanted to give the online community more of a say in what they thought was the best code because uh, there's so many people out there doing very good coding in LabVIEW and they know what good coding is and what interests them. 
So why not give them the voice and the opportunity to vote? And so it was completely run by the community. Every round was completely chosen by the people by coming in and viewing and downloading and voting on their favorite um, code whenever they went up to head to head against each other and the best would prevail and then move on to the next round. Um, uh, the way that we did it, we had different rounds for each time. So it would uh, coincide with the March Madness we had it. So where uh, a new task was actually given out every Monday of the week and you had until uh, Sunday evening to get it done. And it was sort of, a, it was very different. I, I would say, uh, I think Peter will be able to attest to this, but people found it very challenging because you didn't know what the next task was going to be. There was four different tasks and uh, your code had to be able to be well architected so it could then expand into this crazy next challenge that you had no idea what it was going to do. So the different rounds that we actually uh, uh, geared it around was different things that we've heard throughout the community that people are either doing with LabVIEW, have questions with LabVIEW, or wish they knew more information on how to do it in LabVIEW. So the different things was uh, the first task was pulling information from a website. Mm -hmm. So taking information from a, uh, a URL or HTML page and being able to harvest that information. And so that was kind of the first challenge. And then each one of these tasks were hidden from the, the community. So we were just giving out one task at a time. Uh, the next one was uh, data communication. It was actually passing information between multiple VIs running on the same computer or multiple computers. And uh, the task there was really more about documentation. In the coding uh, or in the submission itself, you'd have to explain why the vehicle you chose, whether it was a, a functional global variable or a network shared variable or anything or a TCP primitive, why you chose that. Because a lot of people have questions on when to use uh, certain VIs and functions compared to one another and what makes more sense. And mm -hmm. so there was a really good back and forth communication on uh, round two that uh, I found very enlightening. Um, so basically you were, you guys were trying to take sort of a challenge and convert it as well into sort of a training, a little bit of a, you know, so, so people could learn something along the way. Exactly right. And that's what it's all about is that uh, while all of this is great fun and uh, it's all about excitement within the community, seeing what people can do uh, with LabVIEW, it's always about learning. People will come and see code uh, like what Peter submitted and be able to take that and learn a little bit from it and be able to apply it to their own applications. So, um, so you said there was multiple stages. What, so what was the third one? Uh, the third stage was post-processing. So it was actually sending information to uh, common vehicles like uh, uh, Excel or Diadem and be able to post-process the data there. So again, uh, the very first round was harvesting information from a website, passing that information from one VI to another, and then once it's in the other VI, be able to pass that information into a third-party software or DDM and programmatically interact with it. So you could put it into a, an Excel spreadsheet, you multiply by four or five to manipulate the data, and then print up a report or do a graph or something like that. And then the uh, fourth round which uh, I've heard of a lot of questions over the past couple of years, was interfacing with the cloud. So uh, being able to take that information and save it to something like uh, Google Docs or SharePoint or uh, Amazon Cloud uh, and be able to save that information. This is sort of a hot topic. So we had all different routes of things that people would like to know more information about, uh, more documentation or more understanding on the different data communication techniques and this new, new thing that people are trying to figure out called the cloud. So uh, we had a lot of really great submissions. And you think that just thinking about it uh, offhand about the different tasks, it seems 
you know, it might be kind of limiting on what people could do, but we had such a wide range of code submitted and it was just such good, good code. There was great documentation, uh, great architecture at the very beginning that was able to be scalable. And uh, for the people that uh, struggled at times, they were able to iterate every single week. It was just amazing what they were able to do in a matter of a month uh, without knowing what's coming the next week. I was very, very impressed. And you, you said that you would give that task on Monday and they'd have a week to do it? Yeah, they would have a week to do it. And then we would have a day of voting. So uh, they would uh, complete the task, uh, so resubmit it. So they only had one document. So now if you go to uh, NA.com slash code challenge, you'll still be able to see the, the 2011 spring challenge. If you go in and look at the documents, you can actually see the different rounds. They'll submit the code for the first round where it's getting information from the website. And then the second round, they'll have another uh, code submitted right underneath there. So then you can sort of see this evolution of the uh, different tasks as they move along and uh, sort of the decision making that they took. Sometimes pe people were free to re-architect things. So I, I knew that it was kind of a hindrance to be able to not know your entire task or scope of the project at the very beginning. Um, but uh, just like in real life, feature creep does tend to come in. So uh, it was interesting to see people go back and forth in architecture, uh, changing things up. That's great. Uh, that that was actually pretty exciting because and also the, and I, I know what you mean about sort of seeing the flow because I went in there and looked at all these submissions and uh, I found it very interesting to see you know how the code was evolving over the different stages. It's very interesting to see how people took to the challenge different ways. Some people uh, there's a popular online comic called XKCD. They they did a, a browser where they would pull that information offline so you could uh, look at the comics on your own time or dealing with the bracket, actually. So whenever March Madness is going on, there was a uh, code submitted that would actually predict who was going to be the winner for your bracket. So you could go to Las Vegas and use that. There was ones dealing with weather and a whole bunch of other things that were just really, really neat how people took, uh, uh, it was just sort of free reign. I, I, was, I was kind of afraid at the beginning that it was uh, a little bit more focused um, of a challenge than last time. But I was completely blown away by uh, the, the wild imaginations that are out there and, and the great code that was submitted. So what, what did you think of uh, Peter's code? Peter's was actually great. We had such an internal. So if you guys haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. Inna.com uh, slash code challenge. And Peter's will be the top one in the documents there. And we have all the splash screens for it. Um, but uh, Peter created a browser to go through the community documents. So it's a little bit of egg on National Instruments face and our web team, but we're looking <laughs> into it. But uh, it's always a problem to be able to go in and quickly look through different groups that are on our community and the documents that are associated with them. So quickly, normally you have to go down the breadcrumb trail, see the documents, and then back back up. But Peter actually created code that will go in and harvest that. So it's a nice little executable, a nice UI where you can click through and quickly see what the different documents are. People were so impressed whenever I show the web team, they're actually still using it now to browse through our different documents because it makes it so much easier than <laughs> what we have right now. But uh, everyone was very, very impressed internally. So that, uh, that brings me back to you, Peter. So can you, can you describe a little bit about your application and, uh, and sort of walk through the, sort of the different steps that you did to enhance it for the different stages? Uh, you know, as Grant already told you, the first task was to harvest some information from a website. And uh, of course, as NI uh, was uh, who made this challenge, I chose the, the NI's website. First of all, I thought I should uh, make some application that would uh, extract uh, product information and uh, 
make some comparisons uh, on different products, but I finally chose the, the community site. My application uh, parses the uh, groups uh, already available on the community site. For each group, uh, it downloads all the documents available in each of the groups. At uh, each of the documents, uh, you will find some uh, metrics like the number of likes, uh, stars on the documents, uh, how many people viewed uh, each of the document. In fact, uh, you can create uh, your own formula to uh, add another metric, which will give you a new score for each document. So you can sort of the documents uh, as your taste. So one, yes. one thing I noticed about, uh, I was going through your code, I noticed uh, you're using some kind of um, API or something. Well, how did you manage to figure out the access to the web information? How, how did you get access to that? Oh, well, this was the, the most hard part, I think. The community site uses uh, a lot of JavaScript, so uh, it's hard to figure out what the code does as uh, many of the code uh, are machine generated. So it's uh, absolutely not human readable. So I had to uh, use Bioshark, uh, which is uh, intercepting TCP packets. Oh, so you actually intercepted the, the network packets? Um, yes, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, I was browsing through Firefox and <laughs> uh, in the background, Wireshark intercepted the packets. So another, another thing I, uh, I, I noticed in your code, I was I'm wondering if this was the, the part where you have to pass information to another VI. No. Uh, the, you, were, you were using the uh, set tag, I believe? Yes, uh, I used that because... Uh, can you, can you explain how you came up with using that implementation? Because I've never seen that ever <laughs> used <laughs> to, to pass data to a VI. So I thought that was quite interesting. Uh, yes, uh, I just found uh, these VIs uh, in the internal hierarchy of uh, the LabVIEW on my machine. After uh, I was testing these VIs to see what I can do with them, I've seen they are good for storing some metadata in VIs and... Uh, in each object uh, of a specific VI. So that was my first entry to the challenge. And uh, that's why I used this communication method. Yeah, so now you're going to um, generate some support issues for NI for people <laughs> using those VIs that they're not supposed to. <laughs> but I found I found the application very interesting. And uh, and I, I, I like the way that you documented everything. It was very, very well documented. Yes, uh, you know, the primary purpose of uh, this challenge, I think, was to let new LabVIEW users uh, or intermediate users to learn some new things. So documentation was very important. I assume LabVIEW is part of your uh, your career, I mean, your, your daily job. Do you use LabVIEW uh, all the time? Yes, yes. Uh, I work as a systems integrator and uh, I work only with NI hardware and software. Mm -hmm. What what type of uh, hardware do you work with specifically? Do you have uh, some projects you're working on right now? Uh, yes, uh, we are using uh, compact field points and uh, currently uh, we are transitioning uh, to compact trios. So I noticed in your uh, in your bio on the NI website that you have you work on uh, circuit design as well. Uh, yes, uh, that's probably a hobby, um, and uh, we have some uh, internal projects. In, in our company. So we have to make custom circuit boards. So did you find that that helped you get ad adopt LabVIEW a lot easier because LabVIEW is data flow and it's almost like electricity on wires? You know, for an engineer, I think 
it's probably a lot easier uh, to use LabVIEW than some other text-based uh, codes uh, or programming languages. Uh, but I'm from C. Oh, so you're a C I, programmer? Uh, yes, uh, I program uh, microcontrollers in C. So, so how did you get started with LabVIEW then? Uh, well, <laughs> I started uh, in school. I like the data flow. It's uh, really interesting to to see uh, the programming in this context. I I really loved it, so so I installed uh, LabVIEW trial here at home, and uh, and I started to make some easy projects only just for fun. After uh, I told my boss about uh, the capabilities of LabVIEW and uh, how interesting I find it. I thought we could use it uh, in our projects and as uh, it is a lot easier to program in LabVIEW. So so we could make our projects uh, in a faster way. After I showed him how these things uh, go, he decided we should buy LabVIEW and, uh, and try it. And uh, after our first, first project made uh, with an iHardware and uh, LabVIEW, uh, he decided uh, that will be our path, so we will use uh, LabVIEW through all of our work. Um, I noticed uh, on the on the community site there was a discussion about some kind of bug that your code had, and then Grant had to help out a, a little bit. Uh, Grant, can you talk about that? Uh, yes, if I if I remember right, there was uh, a problem with some of the uh, HTTP client VIs, and uh, we uh, were talking with Peter about it. Uh, we noticed it was traced back to uh, 20, 2010 or LabVIEW 2010 Service Pack 1, uh, where the bug was introduced. Um, but we actually, it was already had been reported in a uh, corrective action re- uh, request and uh, had already been fixed in LabVIEW 2011, which is currently in, in beta 2 right now. So I was able to test it on that, make sure that it was uh, fully, fully uh, fixed in 2011. Uh, but there was actually a workaround. All we had to do, I think, it was dealing with cookies, if I remember right, coming from uh, the web browser and how we created the path. I think that we had to switch it to a constant. Was that right, uh, Peter? Instead of using more of a dynamic uh, file path to the cookie, we had to actually point it to a specific file path constant? Yes, you are right. If you if you don't wire the file path, uh, it will store cookies internally. So it, wa- it won't uh, save the cookies to uh, a file on your system. But uh, that way didn't work in, in the SP1. So, yeah, we were able to find the workaround. Thankfully, uh, I had access to the internal uh, uh, car, the corrective action request, and I could see that there was a workaround for it and also verify that in 2011, we don't have to worry about the workaround. It, it works just as is. But uh, it, it's good times like this where we're pushing LabVIEW to the limit that we can find these little corner cases and help, help fix them uh, before the next product's released. So, so Grant, what do you think uh, moving forward um, is, as far as the competition uh, style? Do you think you'll be doing something like this again? Oh, uh, it's always hard. I don't want to tip my, my hand too much. Uh, definitely be looking for something for those coming to NI Week. Uh, we've always found that uh, the coding challenge that we do there, which then you, uh, the winner of the coding challenge throughout the week at NI Week, you'll get uh, a chance to go, go up against the heavyweight Darren Nattinger at the Block Diagram Party. Um, but uh, we're more than likely we'll have one again in the fall. And we're talking about a couple of different avenues. Um, uh, we'll probably try something else. We're, we're still getting into doing this every year. And uh, we're seeing a great response from the community. As, as far as this coding challenge itself, we had uh, a little over 17,000 views on all the documents. 
and we only had about 20 or so documents actually submitted into this coding challenge because it was so limited because of the bracket. But out of that, we had 17,000 views, 210 active members that came in and participated and, and uh, coded. Um, but as far as this actual style of going through task by task, by task um, uh, we're still trying to get a lot of feedback from the community on what they like, because again, this is all about uh, uh, being more active and creating excitement within the community. So we're always open for feedback. Uh, some of the feedback we got on it is that uh, a one-week turnaround might be a little bit too much, and I, I agree. Uh, being coming from uh, a LabVIEW person that actually has to do it as my day job, I still go home and tinker on my own time with LabVIEW, and I find that uh, if I had to do uh, four four weeks in a row of a one-week turnaround on some code and make it very good and well-documented, it might be a little bit of a struggle. So we'll probably well, see it well, scope down a little bit more, but we'll see. Well, that's part of the challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 exactly right. So, uh, and people were able to still step up and and do it. So it wasn't a complete uh, washout, but uh, we liked it. We saw that driving the task, people like to have the task oriented. Being engineers, we like to see what we want to do. Uh, but at the same time, uh, people are very creative as well. So they're able to take that task and and come up with a whole bunch of different ways to do it. Uh, we're getting input from uh, some more R and D people on it as well. Uh, some higher up people, uh, Christina Rogers and Darren and Stephen Mercer and uh, Jeff Kay to figure out what we want to do in the fall uh, to sort of kick off. This is um, with 2011 coming out, it'll be the 25th anniversary of LabVIEW. So uh, looking at different ways that we can tie that in and also see what's popular among the community and uh, be looking out for more information on that uh, later on in the fall. So this, uh, you called it the example coding contest. So mm -hmm. what, does that mean that these will be pulled into LabVIEW somehow as examples or uh, put online as examples? How does that work? Uh, so for right now, uh, whenever the coding challenge gets completely done, which we should be, uh, we use the same site, the ni.com slash code challenge for each code challenge. So, you know, in the fall, you can go to that same URL and it will put you into the most uh, current LabVIEW challenge. But uh, we'll be moving these documents into the developer community. So if you just go to ni.com slash community, there's a whole ton of example programs there where people have done pretty much the same thing. They're, they're working on a task or they have some uh, new implementation of uh, something in their application that they want to show off. They can create it there. So this is uh, more of the code sharing site. Uh, it's the same thing if you go to ni.com slash code, it will actually search through all of these example programs. But yes, we are taking a look at some of this code that is coming in that is great that we uh, we don't have current APIs for. Like uh, in the last task, uh, Peter actually created uh, a LabVIEW function API that will interface with the Amazon cloud. So Amazon has a cloud service, a web service called S3 to interface with, so you can actually save documents there. Mm -hmm. So and it's actually a really great implementation. So if you you could run his code on a, uh, a real-time target like a C-Rio or a real-time compact field point and be able to uh, stream this data to the cloud and save it instead of having to do disk writes, which would help out a lot. So we're taking a look at some of these new things, these uh, APIs, and figure out ways that we can either work with the developers who are submitting them to flesh them out into more and a, a better example program that could then either be put into the product itself or just have it online so people can access it, uh, or uh, pushing them to say, hey, you you just came up with some really great code. Uh, we have some different avenues uh, like the LabVIEW Tools Network and the LabVIEW Partners Program that you can actually get some grant funding uh, to develop that and turn it into a product that you can put online. 
So there's, there's uh, the IP Spark, I guess, right? Yes, yeah. The IP Spark uh, is a program where you can actually get grant funding to actually do LabVIEW development uh, to come up with an API that you can then host on our tools network, and uh, people can download it from there using uh, VI Package Manager, and uh, they, they can pay for the service. So you can actually make money. You can someone will pay you to then make money off of what you develop. So it's a pretty a pretty neat little deal um, being able to see all this interesting code that people are submitting up and have the possibility of it uh, making you money down the line. Actually, Grant, now that you mention it, uh, Peter, I believe you had a development. I think someone contacted you from uh, the LabVIEW Partner program, and they wanted you to take uh, some of your code that communicates with the cloud, like the S3, and convert it to a toolkit. This, uh, this code would be provided uh, on the LabVIEW Tools Network after... It's been finished. And uh, is that going to be a like a product, or is that going to be for free? Uh, we've talked about it uh, a bit because uh, Jeff, who contacted me, uh, asked about if I want to make uh, another uh, add-on, which would be a Dropbox uh, API in LabVIEW. Is it Dropbox, you said? Yes. You know, Dropbox is free to use. Uh, so, of course... Uh, and add-on would be also free uh, to access your Dropbox account. Uh, but Amazon is a paid service. Uh, so I was thinking uh, on what to do uh, with this toolkit. Make it free or uh, as a paid product. Uh, and uh, as uh, this is uh, going to be evolved uh, from my challenge uh, document, my challenges code, I want to give something to the community so definitely i want to make it free uh, for person i use uh, that's no question i was thinking uh, on uh, if i can make this under creative commons license so i would allow anybody to use it for free as long uh, as they use it for private use uh, or uh, if they share their new product under the same license but if someone would like to use it as uh, in a commercial way, like, you know, for developing some code uh, for a third party and sell their code, of course, uh, they could uh, purchase this toolkit. Well, that's great. So uh, a lot of things came out of this competition for you then. Uh, you, got, yes. you have <laughs> some ideas and, and uh, you were contacted by Jeff Meisel to add or to create this this toolkit uh, for S3 uh, to put on the LabVIEW Tools Network, also for creating a Dropbox uh, interface. Have you, have you thought about um, the Dropbox API at all? Or are you just starting that? Uh, no, I, I haven't worked with it, and uh, <clears throat> I never thought I would use Dropbox. Um, I, I use Amazon uh, in my work, and um, I really like it, and uh, I think, in a rugged system, uh, you can't allow to use a free service. So, so Amazon, of course, is a paid service, and uh, it's, uh, I think, a lot more robust than Dropbox. Well, that's great, uh, Peter. Uh, it's nice to hear that something uh, great is coming out of this, and uh, I'm sure the community is looking forward to uh, trying these tools, and I, th I think it's great that you're going to uh, give them out like that uh, uh, for a personal use license. I think that's a great idea. So, Peter, um, what did you think overall of the, the coding challenge in general? 
Uh, well, I think it was it was really a great experience. So I've seen uh, a lot of uh, very good works, and uh, and I also was able to learn something new. All of the documents uh, were really great, very well documented. So everyone who who just uh, reads through the examples uh, will be able to learn something. So how did this help you in uh, in your in your job? Were you able to go to your boss and say, "Hey, I won the coding challenge." So, uh... <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> uh, I don't think uh, it helped really much in my job, but uh, of course, uh, I I learned something new uh, that I can uh, use in my job. Uh, I never used before uh, the uh, balloon pop-ups. Uh, that I think Fregger uh-huh. Fox uh, was the person who submitted, uh, which is done via .NET control. So I think uh, it's a, a really great way uh, to inform users about what's going on. And uh, and that's something I never used before. So Okay, well, thank you guys for uh, joining me today on the VI Shots uh, podcast episode. Uh, thank you, Grant. No problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Michael. It's been my pleasure. Well, that was another exciting episode. Thank you for listening to the VI Shots LabVIEW podcast. Make sure to visit the show notes page on vishots.com to find links to the content mentioned in this episode. You can also leave a comment there with any questions. Or you can send us an email to feedback at vishots.com. Thank you for listening and bye for now.